Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. Two weeks away from training camp. We're back. Kevin's Corner. Kevin Bowen, Chris Presley. Coming at you Tuesday around lunchtime. We're going to get into Colts training camp battles. Position battles always top of mind come late July. And it's interesting. Offense, defense, it's uh, very different how I look at the position battles in those respective units. So we'll hit on that. As always, Twitter time to get to as well. Uh, Chris, how was your 4th of July? We didn't uh, get a chance to talk last week. It was good. was up in uh, Gun Lake, Michigan. Okay, nice. So a little water time, which yeah. I know you had some water time as well. We did, yeah, but uh, my family's uh, lake house uh, up in northern Indiana, Lake Tippecanoe. Uh, awesome, awesome time up there, so great and, to get away. And, any sandbar action for you? Uh, actually, no, this year, shockingly. Um, yeah, I guess I'm getting soft. <laughs> Yeah, really. I mean, yeah, usually we uh, we spend a day over there. Did get a chance to get on the golf course a little bit, and certainly had a cold one or or, or two. Right. But uh, yeah, did not did not uh, get into the sandbar. Was actually. Rosie in the captain chair at all? Did you do a little photo op? She, she did. Yes, her uh, her grandfather certainly loves uh, driving the boat with the uh, grandkids on his lap. So love it. She enjoyed that, and she's not afraid of water, which is good to see. Hopefully, yeah. well, I guess hopefully not. You know. To, uh, hopefully she walks that <laughs> fine line there uh, with that. But, uh, no, we had an absolute blast, and um, good to get away for a bit. And thank you to Ross Lubbers for filling in. does a great job. I think he'll be back in next week. But uh, we're in studio this week uh, for two pods to go until training camp. Uh, July 27th is report day. Mm-hmm. And then uh, first practice the 28th. So <clears throat> I'm guessing we might have a pod. Usually we talk to Chris Ballard. On report day, so maybe uh, late, you know, afternoon that Tuesday, we come back with kind of a camp preview pod. But um, yeah, I mean, before <laughs> you know, it sounds so cliche, but it's about to be here. Let's not bury the lead. How'd you do yesterday in the golf outing? Mm. We had uh, the Dan Dockich, Tom Dockich yeah. Memorial Golf Outing, the tenth anniversary. Yeah, it was fun. You played pretty well. It looked like on social media. We, yeah, we, we, we had a pretty good day. Unfortunately, lost by one. So, uh, as I've instilled into Rosie, that is the first loser, uh, <laughs> second place. So, hopefully my wife isn't listening to that. But, yeah, we uh, we had a blast. Uh, really fortunate it only rained for about one hole. And, right. Uh, we did hit some quality golf shots. Great team effort. Shout out to Matt and Ross Lubbers and uh, Andrew De- Damaris as well. Uh, it, was a, uh, it was a quality, quality group effort. and uh, Great time out there at that outing. And yeah. Man, and uh, all of our staff members, including you, put on a great outing out there. And he loves it. He's hooting and hollering on hole 17 all day long and whatnot, <laughs> hitting shots. So great to see. And, uh, yeah, it was fun, man. We talk about a group effort. Let's jump into the podcast in terms, first topic, the running back room for the Colts. Yeah, and, and you know, as I was saying at the start, Chris, the O-line, or I should say the offense and defensive camp battles are just so different. You know, we're going to start at running back, and th- there's no debate on who your starter is. That's Jonathan Taylor. Like, yeah. that's on on question but it's dividing up those carries involving them in weekly game plans again it's maddening for fantasy football owners it's what frank reich loves so when i look at it to me it's more of a 
it's not necessarily a battle for the starting job. It's a battle for just reps, and really, this is going to be fluid. So I don't know how much gets solved in late July and August, but I kind of look at it as, all right, how many carries does Taylor get in the game? 18, 19, 20? Uh, what is Hines' role? Naeem Hines deserves a weekly consistent role that, to me, is at least 10 touches. Mm-hmm. But now you start looking at it, you're like, oh, 20 carries to Taylor, 10 touches to Hines. Like, it, it starts adding up. Yeah. So that's where you get into this dilemma. And then you got to throw Marlon Mack in there. Is a healthy Mack someone that should be eating into Jonathan Taylor's carries? How much should he be eating into that? You know, we talked about it a few weeks back. Is this a one or two series a game? Should it be more than that? Uh, are they subbing in and out within a series? All of those things um, I think are fascinating to watch. So, Really deep group. We've talked about it. Probably the most diverse running back group, in my opinion, in the NFL um, and just how the reps get divided. Fascinating for fantasy owners and very intriguing for me as well. One other thing for fantasy owners is clearly the wideouts. You got DeAndre Hopkins. You got Julio Jones, DJ Metcalf, people of that nature, or DK Metcalf, people of that nature. What about the Colts wide receiver group? You know, it's one of those things where the top four you know, to me it's no debate. I Obviously health should be the uh, underlying disclaimer for all of this. But who is the fifth and who is the sixth wideout? And how do you want to handle the fifth and sixth wideout? So the top four, we know in, in no certain order, Hilton, Pittman, Paris Campbell, Zach Pascal. Mm-hmm. Now what do you want to do at five and six? Assuming you want to keep six. Typically I think the Colts have kept six. Oftentimes, one of those six wideouts has been Ashton Doolin. He has been a mainstay on special teams for two years. Really hasn't played a whole lot on offense, but you kind of got to pencil him in here. So now it's one spot, if that's what you're looking at. So are you going big body? Is this Desmond Patman? Is this Mike Strawn? Or do you go shiftier because you're thinking, oh boy, well, if Campbell gets hurt, you know, we kind of want to have insurance on the 53. And that's to Michael Harris. Mm-hmm. Or J.J. Nelson, a guy that we haven't talked about at all really on the pod. Um, he, he's got a resume. He's got over 80 catches and 1,400 yards in his career. Uh, he's kind of one of those older guys that hasn't done much in a few years. But when that signing happened back in January, I was like, oh, I know that dude. You know, Arizona Cardinal, you know, flies around the field, whatnot. So that, to me, is the debate here. Again, it's not so much of, you know, number one, number two, number three wide out. Sure, people are going to care. I, I mean, I think – I think Pittman and Campbell are going to get a good amount of touches if healthy. Uh, Hilton should get you know, a decent amount, but I, I don't think his target number is going to be as high as those first two. Again, if everyone's healthy. Pascal, we know, they love to keep on the field. So uh, it, it's more of just this is a positional battle to round out your 53 and not really starting-wise for me. Yeah. Well, the guy who's going to be throwing them the ball, Carson Wentz. Let's talk about the people that are going to be protecting him. Yeah, and offensive, again, offensive line depth is is huge for the Colts this year. Massive, massive. And, and you know, again, Chris, this is not a debate about your starting five. Uh, sure, left tackle is that a position battle? Uh, yeah, you know, until Eric Fisher gets back, maybe. Um, we'll have to see how that plays out. But the depth spots in twenty twenty one, we know at least this: we know they should have experience, more experience than they did last year. But exactly who is your first swing tackle? Mm-hmm. Who is your top interior reserve? Is it Chris Reed from Carolina, a guy that 
you know, I, I think has a decent resume. Uh, Danny Pinter, you know, drafted what round five, I think it was. I believe so. Yeah. You know, last year uh, played well. I thought it was one start, you know, a couple snap issues, but nothing crazy for you know first time center, not only in the NFL but ever. It's not a guy who played center mm-hmm. at Ball State. So that to me is what you're deciding here. Of you've got resumes of about ten, maybe eleven that deserve to be on your roster, do you keep 10? Who are those 10? Are you keeping nine? Do you keep eight? I mean, that's, you know, I, I've always kind of been in the camp of, boy, I'd like to kind of keep eight and protect a couple on the practice squad. Mm-hmm. Not really how Chris Bauer operates. I mean, he's been more prone to keep uh, you know, closer to 10, if not 10. So um, I just think doing this exercise, Chris, was a reminder to me of, I think you're in a training camp. I don't think there's one debate over who your starters are on the offense. I mean, Wentz, Taylor, Doyle, Allie Cox, if you're going two tight ends, wideouts, you know, your top three, probably a Hilton-Pittman-Campbell combo. Mm-hmm. You know, Pascal is going to factor in, and then your five on the O-line, if healthy, again, uh, Eric Fisher being the one uncertainty there. Like, there is no sort of head-to-head competition. A couple on defense that we'll get into here, but offensively, it's pretty much. Now, you brought back everybody besides Casanzo. Uh, unless I'm totally forgetting somebody. And obviously you've kind of brought back Marlon Mack and Paris Campbell as well. Uh, So uh, this offense, from a consistency standpoint, in sync, and obviously I failed to mention Carson Wentz. um, You know, he is the one new, new piece and and a big new piece. But around him, it's continuity through and through, and obviously there's no debate on who your starting quarterback is. All right, let's jump to the defensive side of the ball because you just mentioned it. Starting defensive ends, what what are we looking at there? Chris, this to me is very open, and I think both spots are open. Um, so when I look at the D-line right now, you got DeForest Buckner, you got Grover Stewart. Starting defensive tackles, deservedly so. Uh, when you get to third down, I see Stewart coming off the field. I see Tyquan Lewis going on the field. So there is zero debate to me in how that picture looks. Where some might question how I view things comes from this. I currently view defensive end as three guys for two spots. Okay. Those three would be Taekwon Lewis, Al-Khadid Muhammad, and then Quiddy Pay. If I'm a betting man, uh, which... Which you are. I, I've been known to dabble. <laughs> uh, Quiddy Pay and... Taekwon Lewis would be my starters. I like Al Qadi Muhammad. I do. Um, I wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't stun me at all if he became a starter. But that's how I view that DN spot right now. Now, of course, you rotate a ton on the defensive line. So this is where Kamoko Ture mm-hmm. comes into play when you get into sub packages and you get an obvious passing downs and those things. You know, a couple of names in different ways. I'm not sure exactly where they fit right now. We'll have to see. But a guy like Isaac Rochelle, who you signed, and has started a good amount in the NFL before, he's more to me in the kind of a Muhammad Lewis role, probably more Lewis, a guy that could slide inside, and then Ben Banigou. Uh, now, I think it's a real question if Ben Banigou makes a football team. Like That, that to me, right. yeah. is a real debate. So, um, again, exiting the spring, I see that Buckner, obviously, and Stewart, entrenched in there, and then uh, I'm going to go three for two 
out a defensive okay. end. One thing I wanted to mention, we touched on last week's podcast, but there's been some debate over it since then. We had our indispensable Colts series, yeah. and I had to force Buckner number one. One reason that I also thought about this, because I went on the morning show earlier this week, and they are like, oh, you got to have quarterback number one. Last year, at one point, and I, I, I probably should go back and double-check, but it was late in the year, certainly in the month of December. The Colts had forced like 18 turnovers or something like that. All of them came with the force Buckner on the field. <laughs> like, that is a defensive tackle. Yes. It's not like it's a, it's Darius Leonard, who's created 12 of those on his own. Th- that, I mean, how many defensive tackles in this league have that type of presence where you have been on the field for all of your team's turnovers? At game whatever, 13, 14, right. what, what, you know, like that yeah. is. Javon just... Kirst was called the freak, but Darius, yeah. I mean, DeForest Buckner was a freak last year. Dude, absolutely, absolutely. So that just adds to it for me on how uh, indispensable he is. Well, we talked about linebackers and them Anthony Walker leaving. So who's the third one going to be? Yeah, and again, this is because we have debate. two. We have two two great ones. We're, two. A great one and a really good one. Two guys that aren't coming off the field. Yeah, I, I think is how I look at it. And, and yes, you know, Darius Leonard certainly all pro, Bobby Okereke guy. They think has big time potential. And again, using a third linebacker, not as abundant as it used to be. Mm-hmm. But when you got Tennessee in your division, you want to have a third linebacker. And so internally, they like Zaire Franklin. They think he's that guy. Okay. Um, EJ Speed, different body type than Franklin. Not as a run thumping type of body. How does he factor in? Is this kind of a, it depends on who we're playing. If we're playing a team that likes to use a lot of base and we feel like we can have a third linebacker on the field, boom, let's go there. If it's a team that, you know, is like Tennessee, then boom, you got Franklin on the field who's not maybe a sideline to sideline guy as much as EJ Speed there. So, again, it's not super, super pressing, but even when you play Cleveland, maybe a Baltimore, other teams mm-hmm. that, that, that do like to pound it, this is something that we should note. How about third cornerback? Yeah, this is our last one, Chris, and this is this to me is a pseudo starter. You know, third corner in the league has kind of taken over for that third linebacker, and I think this is a massive up in the air battle. TJ Carey is the guy who ended last season in that role. He left the spring in that role, and if Rocky Seen wants that job, he's got to go get it. Yeah, it's not sitting there for him. It is not sitting there like, hey man, here you go, Rock. You know, you can do whatever. No, no, no. He's got to go get it. And then, what about Marvell Tell? What mm-hmm. about Isaiah Rogers? Just a couple names to keep an eye on. So, um, when we say third corner here in Indianapolis, what that means is your second outside corner. Because you want Kenny Moore to play in the slot. Correct. Uh, when you go into that nickel personnel grouping. But, um, when I look at this, Chris, this exercise, and talk purely open position battles... I look at two at defensive end. We probably should mention kicker. <laughs> uh, right. And again, how open that is. I just posted something up, up on the website today. Check that out. I kind of get into just the openness of it. And then I look at this kind of third linebacker, third corner, whatever you decide to put on the field there. Those, to me, are your three. I, I really pencil in about 19 starters. Great. Twitter questions? Well, let's do it, man. Well, the first one kind of makes me laugh. Okay. I know you you lobbed it up to me. Yeah. Who we got here? It's a a question from my nephew, Bryce, 
out in North Carolina. Let's who, go. Who is a Panthers fan? Okay. Are we going Panthers angle here? No, we're not. But okay. he's a he's a big fantasy player, so he wants to know. He's getting some hate on his predictions. He likes Paris Campbell. All right. Eighty plus receptions, a thousand plus yards, and seven plus touchdowns. Wow. Okay. Um. He's bullish. That that he that, sounds like Frank Reich, and I know Frank has some family down in the Carolina area. <laughs> I I don't know if that's. Uh, you know, a, a distant nephew. I don't know if you are related to Coach Reich or anything like that, but uh, Bryce is going aggressive there. I love it. Um, obviously, with every Paris Campbell question, the first word <laughs> is health. Right. When you sent me those numbers, Chris, I decided to just kind of plug them in and see who did that last year in the NFL. Okay. And I, it sounded lofty, but I was just, you know, yeah, sometimes you just don't know who falls into those numbers. So nine guys did it in the NFL last year. Very small number. Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Cameron Ridley, Stephon Diggs, and Justin Jefferson. Jordan Jefferson? Jordan Jefferson. I always do that. Is it Justin? No, it's Justin. Justin, okay. Um, boy, if Paris Campbell's name <laughs> is in that group, uh, the Colts might be doing a little party here on Georgia Street or something like that. You know, I mean, that's that's a group. So, Bryce, I love um, the hope, but I just think we got to tone it down just a little bit. And health is the – and honestly, not even health. Like, if he plays 16 games to achieve those guys' numbers, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Does that mean Pittman and Hilton have gotten hurt? Like, I, I just – I can't see it, Bryce. Okay. This I hope he's go- still – I'm sorry to, you know, take a shot at a – at a family member because no, no. I do I do appreciate the question here. But I, I won't go full hate Bryce, but I'll say let's just throttle back a little. My brother calls him hot takes McGee, so <laughs> that's I love that. That's right down right down the alley. I love that. This one's from Jeff. How many ifs do we have and how many could have been addressed or improved by sending or by spending some off the cap? Well, I mean certainly quarterback is an if. Now I would argue quarterback would have been an if with any move that Mm -hmm. you would have made. I mean, hell, even if Philip Rivers was brought back, there were still ifs about that. I'd say the biggest if to me that could have been addressed comes back to the pass rush of day one. Where are the day one impactors? You know, Quiddy Pay, is he going to be a two sacks through ten games and then four sacks in the final seven? You know, something like that. You know, that's what... I think as a concern, and you know me, I was preaching that there should have been a little bit more attention to that group back in March. I would say maybe an additional wide-out corner. That could be an if, like, God, I really need Campbell to stay healthy, or, man, really need Rocky Scene to take a jump, or, you know, it's kind of something like that, and we, we talked a little bit about that. But, I, I mean, Jeff, I don't think there's a ton of ifs. Certainly Eric Fisher's injury, and that's more of an if that, as we've talked about, it's kind of a multi-year if for me. Like, where, why, why hasn't there been that young tackle there? But, no, I I think it's a pretty steady roster. And, sure, you have some ifs at important spots, quarterback and pass rush. And outside of pass rush, I'm just not sure your way really around that. Yeah. Well, Chris has a question. We'll stay there with your last comment about uh, Eric Fisher. Do you think there's any chance Quentin Nelson playing left tackle until Fisher is ready to play? I would feel better with Chris Reed or Danny Pinter at guard and Nelson playing left tackle than Sam Tevy 
at left tackle. I feel like Nelson is very is being very versatile would justify him being the highest paid offensive lineman in the league in the future. Yeah, Chris, fair question. I, I don't see Nelson go to left tackle. Um, I think the Colts really want to keep those four left guard to right tackle intact together. Mm-hmm. Um, that's important to them. Now, if Eric Fisher is going to miss two months, that's when I think you got to reevaluate some things. But I, I, I just don't see him on pup. I, I don't think the Colts know that answer, so I probably shouldn't even say that. But I get that question a whole lot. Oh, uh, which right. fish are going to be healthy? So here's my guess. Uh, you guys listen to this podcast for a reason, not for me to say I don't know. So <laughs> uh, there you go. But I don't really know. All good. We'll I guess you got to see what you got in Tevi a little bit, too. Yeah. Like, you, you do. I mean, you know, the one thing I find interesting about Sam Tevi is, like, he's only started a left tackle for one year in the NFL. It's not like he has, you know, three, four years of left tackle experience. And so you can look at that two ways. One, there's room to grow there, and mm-hmm. the Colts feel like there's room to grow there. Or he's still really inexperienced, and this might not go well. So um, it'd have to be pretty disastrous, I think, for Nelson to be over there for just like two or three games. So I don't. Plus, I just think the Colts feel like they can game plan their way around it. Side question, with Sam Tevy being inexperienced and Quiddy Pay being inexperienced to the pro level, how do, you, how do you think the scouts and the coaches look at that matchup in practice? Yeah, that is a good point. Um, you know, certainly you want to get pay. So pay is going to be a right defensive end, so that means he would be opposite that. Um, I mean, certainly you'd like to see some Braden Smith reps. Now, again, that's not at that spot. But, yeah, that that's a tough projection. And that, honestly, Chris, gets back to joint practices with Carolina. Mm-hmm. Three preseason games, you know, trying to get, oh, do they have their starters in there? Let's get kind of truer values. Not only for Quinny Pay. I mean – we just talked about it, three for two, maybe right. at that spot. Like, Tyquan Lewis, what does he look like as a first, second down end? You know, things like that. Uh, Banigou, you know, Ture when, when he gets healthy. So, that's a good point. Um, you know, part of that's just a whole lot of lot of projection. How bad does he whip him? <laughs> you know, does he really, really beat him? Is it beating him, you know, 10% of the time? You know, things like that. Okay. Back to the line with a question from Tim. With the future costs at right tackle, left guard, and left tackle, and I think that Mark Lewinsky is on the last year of his deal. Do you expect Danny Pitter to be the starting right guard in 2022 because of his rookie contract, or does Mark Lewinsky have the 2020 as the 2022 on his contract? Yeah, this is a contract year for Glow. I would assume Pinter is your right guard. Maybe Chris Reed, although that was just a one-year deal for him. I know the Colts really like Pinter at center down the road, but it's just mm-hmm. kind of like where? I mean, Ryan Kelly's not going anywhere, so. Um. Yeah, I, I you're gonna have to pinch some money. I would assume Glow is gone, uh, and it just reiterates you got to draft well. You just, you cannot keep everybody, and you're gonna have to hit on a day three pick to start on your offensive line when you have just massive deals at the four other spots. From Henrik, first I would like to thank Henrik you. Stenson. Maybe <laughs> you never know who listens. Big to Big British Open this week. Big, <laughs> big. Who you got? Too early to tell. I think I'm going Brooks, which I don't usually go Brooks, but I think I am. I, I just I worry about his health. I was gonna say is he healthy? Yeah, I know. I'm going Brooks. I don't feel super confident though. Okay. But can he get out of the bunkers? Um, yeah. See, now you're now you're worrying me. Sorry. No, it's it's, <laughs> it's smart. Honestly, is what I need. But uh, 
Henrik Stenson, one of the greatest performances ever at the British Open about a handful of years ago. Let's go back to Henrik's question first. I would like to thank you for the great podcast, and I can't wait for it to come out every week. This week, one question mentioned it would be good that the Colts' offense would become more pass-heavy under Carson Wentz, even if it wouldn't bring a great result in the first season. I know that the most of the top teams are pass-heavy and right now in the league, but is there any reason why we should seek to go in that direction? Especially because our run game is going to be very good with Jonathan Taylor, probably even better this year. Yeah, I mean, the Colts want to be more run-heavy, Henrik, and Let's, let's look at the AFC. I mean, there are teams that have done it. You know, we talked about earlier, Tennessee, Baltimore, Cleveland. And there is this, this balance that you're trying to achieve, Chris, of play to your strengths. Mm-hmm. You drafted those offensive linemen at those spots for a reason. You traded up for Jonathan Taylor for a reason. Uh, hell, you drafted Marlon Mack and Naeem Hines in the fourth round. I mean, it's not like they're undrafted free agents. So, But you, you got to find the balance of you inevitably need to achieve balance. Like, I think what this football team's got to do better this year is play off the run better. Play off the run game. Prove you're a potent run team, and now feast on teams biting on it, committing resources, all of that. You just got to hit big plays. And whether that's play action or not, you have to be able to do that. Can you disguise stuff that looks run, 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 boom. Now all of a sudden, whether it's personnel groupings or just window dressing, whatnot, that's where you're able to change it up there. So... I don't look at it like no team that wins a Super Bowl, you know, is a run first team. I, I'm not there. Like I'm not that. Like you know, whatever. I do think the pass game is the easier way to achieve that success with how the game's called on the back end, especially. But this is how the Colts are kind of built. So yeah. I think got to play to it and then play off of it. Yeah, and I saw a highlight the other day on Twitter. Can't remember who was breaking down the film, but even pulling Quentin Nelson to a certain side makes linebackers come up. Oh. Like, we are yeah. now a run team. Weapon. Weapon. I mean, you see Nelson pulling, and that is <laughs> – yeah, I mean, that's either going to make them run towards the sideline to the bench. It's going to make them do something. <laughs> so, yeah, that is a weapon. Trevor wants to talk about weapons as well. Which trio would you rather add to the current roster to be the best Super Bowl – this year, a young Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, and Tariq Glenn, or Dwight Freeney, Robert Mathis, and Bob Sanders. Whoa. Okay. Run that Run that by me again. So I'm adding one of those trios to this year's team. You can add one trio. Okay. We got offense and we got defense. Okay. So yeah. you're, you're adding a young Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, and Tariq Glenn. Okay. Dwight Freeney, Robert Mathis, and Bob Sanders. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, yeah. It's like, yeah. It's a coin flip, really. Right. You know, do I want to play at Augusta with Tiger Woods or do I want to play at Pebble Beach with Tiger Woods? <laughs> I don't give a shit. I mean, just let me play with him. Um, man. I, I'm going to go defense. Are you? I am. Okay. I get it. Harrison, Wayne, Campbell, you know, Pittman, Hilton, Tar Glenn at left tackle. I, I get it. But you know, I just I talked about it earlier. I got to stand by it. Pass rush is my biggest concern. And I got 98, 93 coming off the ends. That's true. I mean, I'm I'm overlooking Sanders. I don't even know what I would do with Sanders. Obviously, it's more of what I would do with Julian Blackman and Kari Willis. But uh, if you can promise me health, give me those two. Yeah. Give me those three. I can't believe I'm saying give me those two like I'm like the other guy didn't win a freaking Defensive Player of the Year <laughs> yeah. and was a huge reason why this team won a Super Bowl. 
This one comes from Zach. Thoughts on the Colts that could or should be in the running for Nikhil Harry? Yeah, I, you know, I, I, you know me, first round, former first round picks, you always kick the tires on them. Right. I don't think the Colts were ever very high on him because he wasn't super explosive. You know, if you look at his testing numbers, it's not great. And I know he's a bigger body, but like it's not even like Pittman or Campbell, which Campbell had really good. But even Pittman, I mean, for his size, had really good ones. So I, I would say no, Zach. Next one comes from Travis. I'm always curious about the life of a fringe player, especially players like Reese Fountain and Philip Walker. Those guys went from 53 to the practice squad, then the street, and then back again. Do they leave town or do they stay in Indy? Yeah, that's a good question, Travis. I think a lot of it depends on the player, the agent, and the relationship with the team. You know, the, the, the claiming process can get a bit, bit heated. You know, you can claim guys off other practice squads, and you are supposed to let a team know you're claiming them. That's kind of like the nice thing to do. Mm-hmm. Listening to Chris Bauer, I don't think that happens very, or, you know, doesn't happen every single time. I'm pretty sure the players that are fringe guys like this, they uh, they stay kind of in like a like a Homewood Suites type of thing. Yeah. Might, uh, might an extended like stay. Or White's yeah. Town or somewhere. I, I I don't know exactly. But if I'm on the practice squad, I'm probably not buying and not that these guys need real estate advice, but you know I'm probably not doing anything too crazy. Like mm-hmm. just get me some sort of, you know, stay and whatever that's called for you know a couple weeks, couple months, and go from there. Um, in the off season, you probably have homes elsewhere. So, you know, if you're a guy like Reese Fountain, or whatever, if you're a guy, if you're Chris Presley, you get cut week two off the team's practice squad. Which I would. Yeah, well, yeah, well, uh, Tennessee Volunteer, maybe. Um, okay. I guess a lot of it depends on, like, do you want to go train with a trainer somewhere else in the country? Do you feel, are the Colts saying, hey, we're, we're probably going to bring you bring you back? I mean, it's not like you can get on a plane, you can come back in the same day, you know, non-COVID-wise. So I just think a lot of it depends on the player. Philip Walker, I think he pretty much knew, like, hey, they're going to bring me back. This is just all very, very procedural, whatnot, so... Um, I'd say the majority of them stay in town unless they are told, like, yeah, this is probably it, which I right. don't know why a team would say that to them unless they just want to really, <laughs> unless they're really fed up or they just want to help out the player and agent. Yeah, and a local morning broadcaster here, Big Joe Stasniak, he mentioned, I think yesterday, um, he did the same thing. When he was a seventh-round pick, Yeah, they put you up in a hotel, just stay there. Right, so I think, like, Jack Doyle, you know, was claimed – at preseason cut down mm-hmm. by, from, from the Titans. And I'm pretty sure he, like, lived with his family, I think, for that first year in the NFL. Now, obviously, you know, he benefits from, you know, just, you know, whatever, east side of Indianapolis. Maybe he got something downtown eventually, but and that's a guy on your 53-man roster. And then you get to the end of the season, you're like, okay, this could actually be, like, a permanent thing. Let's right. buy, you know, whatever, a house, an apartment, and whatnot, so... It's things like that, though, coming out of college that make me feel like kind of a professional athlete. Jack Doyle and I did the same thing. Yeah, well, Moving back home for a year and then... (laughs) Keep on telling yourself that. Yeah, right? (laughs) All right, this one comes from Mac. Hey, Kevin, it's been a while since I submitted a question. Here's one off the wall. If you had to construct an offense and defense where that's one player in NFL history that's cloned that plays all 11 positions, which player would it be? For Mac, he's thinking either Travis Kelsey or Gronk, maybe Cleo Mac. Wow. Okay. This is boy. This is yeah. This screams summer. 
<laughs> Mac, great question. Uh, the one that comes to mind for me is Calvin Johnson. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's just he's just large. Yeah. So I don't know blocking wise what. Yeah, I, I I hear you out on Kelsey Gronk. Certainly, those are good. I'll go Calvin Johnson on offense. Defense, boy, that's tough. Like today's game, it's probably more of like a DB, right? So he's at Khalil Mack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, part of me, my, my my first thought was Lawrence Taylor. Oh, that's a great. Pick. But then I'm like, is he too beefy? Like today's NFL, which again is just astonishing to, for me to call Lawrence Taylor too beefy. Uh. You know, it's a guy that I mentioned on last week's pod. I was at someone asked who are our favorite players to watch. Mm-hmm. Troy Palomalu would be someone that comes to mind for me. You know, and, and is Ed. Ed Reed too skinny as Palomalu? I don't know. I feel like he played a lot bigger than even his frame was. So, yeah. Anybody come to mind for you? That's a good one. That is a really good one. Um, yeah, I think you're right in terms of offense, in terms of taking a large wide receiver. Uh, Julio Jones, probably right now. In terms of active players, right, right, right. Defense, I do. It, it's like, what do you want on defense? Yeah, you know, do you go the big safety? Right, it's 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 tough. That's a, that's a really good yeah. question, Brad Mack. That is. Uh, if you guys have any comments on what your answers will be, let us know in the yeah. comment section below on YouTube. If you're you're listening to it on the stream right now. 1924, end-of-the-year podcast question of the previous three Colts GMs, Polian, Grixon, and Ballard. What do you think each of their three top moves were in terms of either draft or free agent signings, excluding the obvious draft picks of Manning, Luck, Nelson, and how would you rank those three GMs? Okay. Um, okay, best draft picks? Well, I think for Pullian, I edge edge is, you know, first comes to mind just because everybody thought Ricky Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go Mathis, though. You know, you get a guy in the fifth round that could be a Hall of Famer one day. Right. I mean, that's, oh, I mean, especially at that position. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not talking, whatever, Hall of Fame punter. We're talking nothing against Hall of Fame punters. Shout out Ray Guy. Uh, I would say Grigson would be T.Y. Hilton, best draft pick. Trading back in the third round. Not 100% sure they're trading back in for T.Y. Hilton, but whatever. They <laughs> they they drafted him. Um, and then uh, I would say Mr. Leonard for Chris Bauer. I know some might say Nelson. But, again, to me, I think there was an element of, was this guy projected to go in that area? Was it, you know, were you outside the box thinking? Yeah. And you were. And I think some of these picks were. I mean, Hilton, I mean, there are a lot of people that thought, oh, his size? No way. He's not going to hold up. So those are draft picks. Free agent signings. Yeah, Polian, I would say, you know, probably Jeff Saturday. Not your traditional kind of free agent. He's the one that I, you know, maybe Vinatieri. Yeah. You go there. Um, Brandon Stokely is the other one I thought. For mm-hmm. Grigson, I would say either Jarrell Freeman, his first signing. Uh, I know a lot of people might say Mike Adams. But Freeman, I mean, you get him from the CFL and he comes in as your leading tackler for, what, X amount of years. Yo, Ballard, free agent, I, I don't know. That's that, that that's a good one. Um, I'm assuming people would say Rivers. Yeah, you know, I, I tend to think Rivers kind of falls more in a right category. I, I, I think Danico Autry was a really good signing. I do too. I think there's a length element that I kind of incorporate into my selection here. I yeah. get quarterbacks different than defensive linemen, but three years out of Danico Autry to project him like you did, 
that's pretty darn good. Yeah. We're going to stay there with your quarterback talk from a question from Victor. There's a lot of things that are consensus in the NFL. Could you think of one consensus that's weirder than more stupid than GMs only get one shot at drafting a quarterback? What are your thoughts there, Kev? Yeah, I... It's interesting. I, I would say the first thing that stands out to me, Victor, is just <laughs> patience and NFL ownership, or just sports ownership in general. Hell, freaking business ownership in general. Like, is patience a word you often hear? No, I, I'll say this. Jim Mercer's got an incredible amount of it right now. A lot more than I thought. Uh, now you look across the street, across town, I don't know how much patience Herb Simon has. True. You see the amount of money they just paid for? Right. Rick Carlisle paying coaches in back-to-back years during a pandemic. Two coaches back-to-back years. I mean, that's – yeah, so I, I – again, I, I, I hear you out. Um, I just think NFL lives are short, and it's such a now-now-now league. It, it's a league that is so parity-driven as well. You feel like you're not that far off. You, what's a stat? Every year, you have four new playoff teams, that stat. Mm-hmm. Um, owners are impatient, and fans are impatient, which, you know, I'm I'm impatient. We all are, so – I, I think all of that plays into it. I also think there is a belief of kind of you're trying to pair up you know, your GM with a head coach and a quarterback with an offensive mind and all of those. And when all of a sudden that starts to shift a little bit and there's a little bit of a, oh, boy, that piece is here and this piece is there, you just say, screw it, blow it all up. Um, and, and that's the thing. It's like. Ryan Grigson never really drafted a quarterback. Obviously, Luck was the obvious mm-hmm. selection there. But it's like, you know, is he ever going to get another chance? I mean, if you look at his win-loss record, you say, hell yeah. So it, it's just, I think it's just kind of how it is of GMs and how teams are built. I think owners are fascinated by finding the next, wow, he was, he was part of that Kansas City building project. He was part of that Seattle building project. Like, I want that in my own building there. So I think it was just some jealousy, and you kind of want to replicate it. Next one comes from Zach, and we got two more. This one's pretty interesting. Okay. Uh, With The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, looking to merge the CFL, what would be your thoughts of the NFL-CFL merger? And Zach's question pretty much says, the NFL would regulate a team to the CFL if they lose, and then the CFL would put their champion in the NFL and give them the top pick. Wow. Oh, boy. Okay, so it's like a English Premier League soccer yeah. action there. Uh, wow. Uh, top pick as well. Mm-hmm. You know, Zach, I, I love the idea. Like, I am I'm, I'm obsessed with listening to these things, but I have to acknowledge I'm such a traditionalist with a lot of this that, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> hey, yeah, I just don't. You know, I've always thought putting a team in London is kind of intriguing. Obviously, that's different than this. So, yeah, the up-and-down nature. Yeah, I'd worry about, like, the consistency of your NFL markets. Right. You know, would fans lose interest quick? Now, obviously, there's a whole lot of incentive to be good, and the CFL would, would grow and things like that. Um, I don't know. It's just – and, like, I feel like we've seen it. Maybe this is strictly pandemic-related, but there's clearly a huge disconnect in how Canada was tra- treated their professional sports teams – during this time, and how the U.S. did. Valid. And again, that's probably yeah. a whole different debate that we don't even want to get into. But it just seems like it sounds easier than it is. And also, the CFL is different rule. I mean, we got to acknowledge that. Like, they play a totally different game. Uh, very different game than yeah. the NFL. So you have to get on the same page there. So, Zach, I'm all for outside-the-box thinking, but I'm pretty traditionalist. 
Last one comes from Wake Spike. With the emergence of the mobile quarterback, receiving running back, and more college schemes, will the next big position be throwing? Will be th- a throwing wide receiver? If not, what's the next big hybrid position that will push the D's off the kitter? Whoa! Or off kilter? Sorry. Boy, throwing wide out. Yeah, I. Yeah, I guess he's talking you know wildcatish yeah. sort of thing or. Yeah, I, that comes to mind. I can't imagine like. I don't know. Do we see like an offensive lineman really involved in Wildcat? I don't. You know, maybe a tight end would be a little bit more kind of in that mold there. So yeah, I don't have a great one for you, Wake Spike. But yeah, that 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 seems to come to mind. I mean, I'm all I'm all for what is the next innovation that we're gonna see. Um, so yeah, I like that. Yeah, because there was a what the kid drafted out of Kentucky. Oh yeah, Bowden. Uh, Bowden. Yeah, from a couple years ago. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was quarterback there and wide out for the Ra- Raiders. Does that sound right? Yeah, and a lot of these guys, I mean, especially when they come in as athletes, it's kind of amazing at first when you when you see that most of them are quarterbacks in high school. Right. But that's just because they're the best athletes. So you know, it's something we had this debate yesterday within our group. The Shohei Otani debate, it will never happen in America because strictly baseball coaches will refuse to mm-hmm. have a player try that, attempt that. I mean, hell, how many college baseball players hit? Yeah. Yeah, high school, yes. But, like, college, I mean, I don't I don't know. I've, I've watched the College World Series. I mean, you don't see very many baseball players that are pitching and then going and playing the field. No. Or, in Otani's case, obviously, uh, an exceptional hitter. And then, you know, starting tonight as we as we record this. For the AL team. So I just, for me personally, if I were Frank Reich or if I were a coach, I would have somebody on my staff that like would look into things like this. How can we be new era, new thinking, new A, all of that, but at the same time realizing that implementing that, we're probably a ways away from it. But who knows? I mean, I don't know. Freak athletes come. I mean, athletes are only getting more athletic. Yeah. And I think pop, pop trivia note for you. I want to say that in Auburn baseball history, Tim Hudson's the leading home run hitter. Really? Frank Thomas is second. Wow. Tim Hudson can hit the ball out of the ballpark? Oh, yeah. Man. Look at you. Chris Presley. That was well, big. Only because he's a brave. That's the only reason I knew it. Still. Jeez, that was good. <laughs> um, wow. Stump your friends at that one. That's good little water cooler action there. Nice icebreaker for the summer besides, oh, man, you believe how hot it is outside? <laughs> whatever. What do you got coming up on the website? Yeah, we are deep into our off-season content, and so uh, we had the scout looks all last week. We're about to get into our burning question series. As I teased earlier today, we got the kicker competition article up, and just a little bit of a look on life with Eric Fisher, life without Eric Fisher, mm-hmm. and how uh, the Colts should and will handle those things. Marcus Brady had some comments on that as well, and I, I'm excited for a piece I got coming up here just before the start of camp. We'll talk a little bit more about that on next week's podcast. But yeah, the website filled every week, every day, I should say, with written content. Love it. All right, everybody, I appreciate you all tuning in. Hope you guys are having a safe and fun summer. He's Chris Presley. I'm Kevin Bowen. We'll talk to you next week on Kevin's Corner. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.